0: Today we meet the hero that we need the most, the Crap Crusader. Then we change tone completely to take a look at a medical study that shows that chronic pain may actually make you dumber. Then we travel back to the year 1951 to take a look at an airplane crash in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean that seemed miraculous. Every single person survived the crash. But then, the mystery began. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio I'm your host Jason Carpenter I'm having a great day I hope you guys are having a great day too I hope you guys are going to have some fun stuff this weekend First off, let's take a cool look at this fan art we have here for Fan Art Friday This was done by Rudy Jazz Rudy Jazz Very, very active member in the Dead Rabbit Radio community. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks for the art. Thank you for all of your support. Really means a lot, Rudy Jazz. Really, really means a lot. Also, coming into Dead Rabbit Command, holding a little umbrella like Mary Poppins, but they're not flying. They're just walking in holding the umbrella. It's radio lunch. Everyone give a round of applause for radio. Oh, there, there they go. Now they're flying around. Now they're trying to be impressive flying around the room. Radio Lynch, you're going to be our captain, our pilot of this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, or if you don't like to show off your levitation powers, that's fine too. Just helps spread the word about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. Someone grab Radio Lynch's ankles, yank them back down to the ground. It's enough, it's enough of that, Radio Lynch. I'm going to give you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We're going to go ahead and leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. We're headed out to Moltonomaw.com county or that's not how you pronounce that let me try that again before you guys try looking it up on a map because you guys are going to want to investigate this story trust me Multnomah County Oregon I'll just I'll just put it in the show notes I'll just put a map in the show notes an entire map Multnomah County Oregon is where we're (laughs) going radio Lexus is shrugging starts flying away in the umbrella again no 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 we need you to drive the vehicle you'll have to figure it out Multnomah County, Oregon. Start up that Jason Jalabi. <laughs> going down the road out here. But we got to drive really, really slow. In Multnomah County, Oregon, what's going on is for the past two years, a man, I don't know why I'm being sexist. The woman could do this too, right? It's 2021. Somebody, I don't know, I just assume it's a dude. Somebody, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's not going to make it any different. Somebody has been throwing their poop out of their car. Well, maybe. <laughs> How's that a maybe? There's either human feces on the side of the road or not. I guess the maybe part is, are they throwing it? They might just be gently <laughs> opening their... Jason, that doesn't make a difference. It doesn't matter how it gets there. You're telling me that there's human feces in there. Yeah, yeah. So what what's been going on for two years now? Somebody has been pooping in bags. A considerable amount of poop, they say, like per bag. The people are very impressed. They're like, man, this guy must work at a Taco Bell or something. Lots of poop, and there's kitty litter in there as well. Now, you can say whatever you want about this man. Again, shouldn't be sexist? Women (laughs) women poop too. You can say whatever you want about this person, but at least they're considerate, right? They could have just pooped in the bag. The fact that they're buying kitty litter to kind of cover it up Shows that show, now that I'm thinking about it, probably, I was thinking maybe they put it in the bag so it doesn't smell so bad and throw it out of the window. Now I'm thinking they probably just do it at home. They're probably not trying to make it smell better on the side of the road. They probably have a giant human-sized litter box at home. They poop in it. So someone's been throwing out a considerable amount of poop covered in kitty litter out of cars or stopping. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how it's getting there. It doesn't matter if they're gently placing it for two years hundreds of bags of this stuff have been appearing on these stretches of road. So much so, it's become a road hazard. I should have told Radio Lunch that. He's been driving down the street all the time, the car's slipping and sliding. Cars have been hitting these bags, and it's just, expl- I would laugh so hard. Even if my own car hit a bag of poop, I'd laugh really hard. The funniest one, which is probably far more dangerous, because you got four wheels. If one wheel gets covered in poop, say la vie. One guy was riding a motorcycle down the road. One guy was riding the motorcycle down the road, no windshield, no no protection. Riding his motorcycle down the road, hits a white bag. Poop shoots up. I imagine that was the biggest bag ever. I imagine that day that guy truly had a grande meal. I hope. I hope it was comical. I hope it looked like he was covered in mud. But maybe not. Maybe maybe just fear out of control. Maybe he just lost control of his motorcycle and got a concussion. I'd be all, oh, man, I'd be super disappointed. He's like, "Uh, call an ambulance. I'm just walking away. I'm like, whatever, dude. Be funny. Be funny next time you get injured. It's been going on for so long. That's when Nonama County Code Enforcement Officer David Thompson is on the case. This man's obsessed with bringing down this supervillain. I don't think he's really a villain. He's just pooping in bags. And David Thompson goes, listen, it's so funny because the article that I read about this, the article that I read about this, he's pleading. He's pleading for some closure to this case. He actually changed his work schedule. He used to work during the day, but now the night calls him. He actually works the overnight shift because these bags are being deposited between midnight and 4 a.m., and David Thompson's sitting there. He's disguised as a big white bag. He's hoping someone will pick him up and poop him, and they'll jump out and go, ha-ha! I'm sure he actually has a better plan than that, but he's been trying to catch this guy. David has actually personally picked up 100 bags of this guy's stuff. And the article he's pleased like he can't it's so funny because on the one hand, he totally wants to catch this guy, and then on the other hand, it boggles his mind why someone's doing this. He thinks he's going, listen, maybe the guy's septic tank isn't working. Maybe this guy is having some financial issues and he something happened with the septic tank, and we can help. Tell us who you tell us. It's so funny. Reading he's reading this article, he's like, please tell us who you are, because we can help you. He also says, if we catch you in the act, see, then you're in trouble. Then you're going to get the maximum fine, which I'm assuming is like a $95 ticket. It's littering at the end of the day. It'll be nothing. But he goes, if you, don't, if you confess, if you confess your sins to us, then we will we will give you a couple hundred dollars to fix your septic tank. What's going on? I think the guy probably broke his septic tank because of the kitty litter, but then eventually he probably got his septic tank fixed and now just really enjoys throwing poop out the window. And if anything, I think David Thompson has found his calling in life. How many people actually get to be Sherlock Holmes to someone else's Moriarty or Batman to someone else's Joker? David Thompson has this now. So David Thompson, a.k.a. the Crap Crusader, we here at Dead Rabbit Radio salute you. We hope that you find what you're looking for. <laughs> we hope that you find a suspect holding his own feces in a shopping bag. And then you have to put handcuffs on that guy and maybe even wrestle him to the ground. And then he's throwing them like Green Goblin bombs at you. You're like, oh, this isn't part of the job. If that happens, if, that, if you think that's going to happen, David, call me. We will come out there. We will <laughs> record it live. And it'll be hilarious. But if that's not going to happen, then don't bother. Don't bother. If you just arrest the guy or it turns out that his septic tank isn't working, eh, whatever. That's that's not what we're here for. We're here for the funny. This next story's not funny. <laughs> this next story's not funny at all. Radio Lynch, I'm going to toss you the... Let, let's use the hair hang glider. You're good at hovering anyways. Radio Lynch, call in that hair hang glider. We're going to leave behind Multonoma County. We are headed out to a science laboratory in Sciencetown, USA. <sighs> yeah, this story is the opposite. <laughs> this story is literally the opposite of funny. And I had to find a good episode to put it in. In Sciencetown, USA. We walk into the science laboratory. We're looking through microscopes. Picking up beakers, releasing rage monkeys. You know, the stuff we normally do at science laboratories. And and as an assistant finally comes out and goes, <laughs> he gets bit by a rage monkey. He gets taken away by security. But another assistant shows up and they're wagging their finger at us. They go, guys, quit messing around with stuff. You're going to injure somebody. And I go, you're right. And that would be bad. <laughs> that would be bad. And you're like, Jason, what is up with this bizarre segue? I'm trying to lighten the mood because this one is super depressing. I think it has some really rough implications. I actually got this out of my new news folder. New news. New news is a segment we do every so often. I downloaded a bunch of websites back in the year 2004. And every so often I go through them. And there, there's been a lot of good stories we've gotten out of the new news folder. It was kind of a snapshot in time. Weird news from the year 2004. i got to start this story off by saying, first off, I'm not a medical professional. Secondly... If you're suffering from opioid... This this is a tough one, guys. This is a tough one. Secondly, if you suffer from opioid addiction, opioid abuse, this is not... I hope this doesn't trigger you. I hope this doesn't trigger you. You're like, Jason, you stop looking through the microscope. You're like, what are you even going to talk about? Back in 2004, this was super interesting. They did this study. Northwestern University does this study on chronic back pain. And what they realize is that based on brain scans, chronic pain, specifically chronic back pain, can cause brain shrinkage as much as 11%. Chronic back pain can shrink your brain. It, specifically, it's shrinking the gray matter in it. And they said, based on these studies, 11% of your brain, that's 10 to 20 years of aging, But this is a compacted amount of time you're dealing with chronic pain can actually shrink your brain. Here's a quote from this study. Quote, every year of pain appeared to decrease gray matter by 1.3 cubic centimeters. So not a lot. I mean, (laughs) any part of your brain shrinking is a lot. But I don't want you to think like you're like, oh, my my back's hurt for three days. Uh And you can only say mom, fear and give. No. but. You do have that shrinkage, and every year it shrinks a little bit more, and it, you can shrink up to 11%. Not you. <laughs> that would be kind of fun, right, to actually get tinier? This isn't fun. Your brain shrinking. So, of course, they had to control for opioids. 2004 was one of the boom years of opioid prescriptions. So they had to control for that. Is it possible that it's the opioids that are making your brain shrink? No. They also did controls for issues like depression due to pain. PTSD from the event that caused the pain, etc. After controlling for these other factors, what they could find was chronic back pain shrinks your brain. And part of the issue is the gray matter that is being reduced is in the forebrain. And that's the part of your brain that helps regulate pain. So you have that. You don't even... Have the ability to get used to the pain. And when they're saying chronic pain, they're talking six months or longer. In 2007, because I, I did more research on this, I didn't just read an article in 2004, call it a day. some more research on this. In 2007, the University of Alberta runs a similar study to this. Two thirds of chronic pain sufferers, so this is just outside of back pain, just two thirds of chronic pain sufferers, they develop significant attention and memory problems. So let's put our conspiracy caps on here. Opioids used to be overprescribed. I talked about it in my episode, Solar Plexus Clown Gliders. I injured my back. They gave me 240 Vicodin a month. Totally overprescribed on that. But now they're underprescribed. So the medical way of really relieving pain is gone. Basic day to day pain, it's, you can't do it through westernized medicine. Then when you look at stuff like marijuana, cbd it's not legal in a lot of states cbd i know like you can get it shipped and stuff like that but it's that's just cbd i'm not a medical professional but just the cbd stuff you have to have a little bit of the marijuana in it the the, the wacky tobacco in it for it to actually be effective in, in my opinion because i've tried just cbd stuff and it was junk so a lot of the other stuff is still illegal. Marijuana is still illegal for pain relief, pain management in a lot of states and a lot of countries. Conspiracy cap fully on. What if there is a reason for us to suffer in pain? And I'm not talking about some sort of theological reason so we will be reincarnated as a better person or so on and so forth. I'm talking about would a government entity want to have a dumber population? Would a government want to have a population that has less gray matter? If a government wanted a population that was dumber, wouldn't it make sense to take away the ability to not lose brain matter? Wouldn't it make sense to regulate and make illegal medications that could actually prevent you losing 11% of your brain? We talk about fluoride in the water. We talk about chemtrails. We talk about 5G and microchips and all this other stuff. It's nonsense. It's nonsense. Well, fluoride's in the water, but I mean, it's not going to make you crazy. This, these are studies that have been done by Northwestern University and University of Alberta. Chronic pain can make your brain shrink. The government wants a compliant population. That's not a conspiracy theory. A government wants their population to be smart enough to earn money to tax and dumb enough to not argue. That's not an American thing. That is literally every government since the beginning of time. Smart enough to be a mechanism in the machine, but dumb enough to not know how to monkey wrench it and stop said machine. And if you could create generation after generation of people who are suffering from chronic pain and making the medicine that can alleviate that pain illegal or regulated, you don't need chemtrails. You don't need 5G. You just need to put enough pressure on the human body day in and day out so they suffer pain. Whether that is through back-breaking labor, or for the people who are working in a cushy office job, pumping them full—this has gone, this has gone full on. Alex Jones, pumping them full of carbs and sugar and high-fructose corn syrup and all of their foods. You're either out in the field breaking your back, or you're sitting in an office, overeating and putting stress on all of your joints. You don't even know it. You create a nation of people who suffer from pain and make the way to alleviate that pain difficult, if not impossible, to get. You will have a population of people who are smart enough to pay their taxes and dumb enough to not complain about it. Radio lunch is like whoa 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 man! You went straight up conspiracy theory with that. I, yeah, I'm conspiracy theory cap on, but still I. I... You're like Jason. You were not wearing your conspiracy cap that whole time. You had yours on. I was like, oh, it's okay. We'll <laughs> let's just move on to the next story. The next story is a little less. Um, (laughs) I'm just, I'm just walking away. I'm just walking away. You're like, Jason, what were you going to say? Come on. Do you really believe that Jason? I'm just walking away. I'm doing like a action hero pose as I'm walking away as, as, as the leaders of all the food companies and the government are about to take me out, but they can't take out Jason. They probably could. They probably could. I'm sure, I'm sure Taco Bell or McDonald's could not Arby's. Radio Lynch, let's go ahead and call in that Carpenter copter. We're leaving behind a burned out Arby's. They tried to take me down. They can never take me down. We are headed out to the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. (laughs) I got a story from the Fortean map. It's one of my favorite tools to use for this show. I always like to give them a shout out. I'll put it in the show notes. I think you guys will enjoy it as well. Just a global map of a bunch of weird phenomenon. It's March 23rd, 1951. The U.S. Air Force is on a mission. There's a C-124 Globemaster II making the journey from Roswell, New Mexico, all the way out to England. It's 1 p.m. It's in the middle of the afternoon when the pilot radios out a Mayday. There's a Coast Guard ship in the area called the Casco, and it receives the call, Mayday, Mayday. (laughs) What is that, a Muppet? What is that, Beaker from the Muppet Show? Mayday, mayday, Uh, check, check, one, two. Is this working? Can you guys hear me? We're all about to die. Casco's like, yeah, yeah, we can hear you. What's going on? And they said there's a fire on board the plane. We're trying really hard to put it out. But here's our coordinates. And the Coast Guard ship Casco is like, okay, we got it. We're going to relay this message. We'll take care of you. Just stay radio contact in case anything bad happens. The plane continues to fly. And eventually another radio call does come into the Casco. And they said, Listen, we can't put the fire out. It's spreading. We're actually going to ditch the plane in the ocean. Right over. It's so interesting. The story, this is one of those stories we come across every once in a while. It's an interesting story, and then there's little offshoots to it that don't make sense. It's 1 p.m. when the original call comes through. They're several hundred miles from Ireland. The call comes through, the plane's on fire. When they decide to ditch the plane, the logic is this. It's going to get dark soon. So I'm wondering, it's March, March, right? How long were they flying for? But the reports show that the call comes in at 1 p.m. And then they say, we're going to ditch the plane because it's going to get dark soon. And we don't want to ditch the plane at night. Now I'm not a pilot. Maybe when you're up in the sky, the sun's farther away when it's setting. I don't I don't think so. I don't think that's how light works. But who knows? So they decide to ditch the plane before night falls. And they do. Perfect water landing of a plane that was not designed to land in the water. And they radio in the coordinates. They're able to call the casco and say, Well, we ditched the plane. We were all able to make it off totally fine. This is where we're at. There was an Air Force base. They got the call that this plane was going down. They launched a B-50 Superfortress plane to go out to the area, and hopefully they're originally going to try to escort this Globemaster to, to safety. But by the time the B-50 gets to the area, the plane's already been ditched in the water. But the B-50 flies over the area, and they look, and this is what they see. Everyone is alive. Even according to the radio call-in, everyone got off the plane. Nobody died during the crash. 53 people on board of this plane. Everyone's alive. The B-50 flies overhead and begins circling over. They see all of these life rafts. And the life rafts had survival equipment, life preservers, signal flares. The guys are out there with the signal flares. It is a perfect landing at sea. It is a perfect emergency landing. Not a single casualty. There's these giant rafts, very, very well supplied. The plane is flying overhead for a while. You couldn't ask for anything more in a situation like this. You've crashed, you have all the supplies you need, and people know where you're at. And there's a plane circling you. You're totally fine. The B-50 eventually realizes they're going to run out of fuel. So they leave the area. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you, right? They are 100% safe. The call comes in at 1 p.m. The plane is on fire. They decide to ditch the plane before it gets dark. That's a considerable amount of time, but they ditch the plane. They're in the rafts. They have the flares. The B-50 is flying overhead. Remember, and the Coast Guard ship Costco had gotten this original call, but they don't get to the location. The B-50 has to leave. The Coast Guard ship does not get to the location until early the next day. There's no specific time, but we can say 1 a.m. in the morning. It could even be later than that, but you have a long period of time. Now, I know I know they didn't have the fastest vehicles back then, but they weren't this slow. Everyone knew at 1 p.m. this plane was having trouble. And when it ditched and it landed, everyone knew where this was at. But it takes... Hours for this Coast Guard ship to get there and when it does there's nothing left the Coast Guard ship gets there they don't see any flares they don't see any rafts they don't see any people they don't even see the plane what had just been there A few hours earlier, everything is gone. Every single thing is gone. There is nothing in the water except for a few pieces of plywood and a briefcase. 53 people, all of their supplies, and the plane they crashed with disappeared. This is 100% a true story. This is a Honest to God, military mystery. They have never figured this out. The Costco, the Costco, they realize this is kind of spooky. Although they they, they think it's more than spooky, right? They call in a full sweep of the area. Planes show up, a couple warships show up, submarines show up. Submarines don't find any. P. Well, it's not like they have portholes, right? It's not like submarines. It's not like a guy's looking out the side and see someone floating. But you would have—they couldn't pick up the plane on sonar. You couldn't pick up a shoe floating in the water, or a bloody arm, or a radio, or a used flare. Nothing. Every everything was gone. I—I I, it boggles my mind. How is that possible? When I read this on the 40 and map, I go, oh, "He must have gotten a detail wrong." That's not true. But it is a true mystery that has never been solved. Nobody to this day knows what could have caused it. The one there was no storms in the area. there was no bad weather in the area. The one thing that has been suggested, but even the military is like it might be like they just don't know. Soviets. the Soviets in that period of time may have shown up in a sub or a boat and captured all 53 people before anyone else could get there. They waited till the plane... They would be, have to be a perfect timing for them to show up. They, they would have known the plane would have gone down because they would have heard the Mayday call. But they would have had to show up and not only kidnap 53 people, but not leave a single shred of evidence. They took all the (laughs) rafts? Why would you take the rafts? The Soviets like, not only will we kidnap all of these Yankees, but we'll also start a mystery that'll be covered on a podcast. (laughs) Like, why would they... Why would you go through that? That makes it more mysterious, right? You just want to make it look like a storm came. The plane's gone. Everything's gone. Except for a couple pieces of plywood and a briefcase. But we here at Dead Rabbit Radio know what happened. Let's put our conspiracy caps on. I'll put mine on for the first time in this episode. The plane, if you remember, was leaving Roswell, New Mexico. And when a fire broke out on board, definitely was an emergency. And to this day, they don't know what caused the fire. They wouldn't be able to figure it out because the plane doesn't exist anymore. They could never investigate the fire. But even the radio calls, apparently, they don't know how the fire started. It just started. Here's my conspiracy theory. This plane was transporting something from Roswell, New Mexico. Roswell, New Mexico, is most famously known as the crash site of the Roswell spacecraft. We we've done episodes on that, and I personally have disputed whether or not an actual UFO crashed in Roswell. But let's forget that I never said that. Let's forget that I said that for this episode. I totally believe in Roswell. I totally believe it. So. Forget my previous episodes, this is the ending, this is the fun part. It's all fun, but you know what I mean. What if this Glowmaster 2 was transporting something from Roswell, New Mexico, to England? The crew had no idea what was on this plane. They were just transporting something. And the fire may have been caused by this item, or the fire may have allowed this item or thing to be released to get out did it cause the fire did the fire awaken it from some sort of cryogenic sleep or simply give it enough of a distraction to get out of its confinement and then when the plane crashes the radio calls are still coming in hey everything's okay everyone's alive it's perfect but the top brass knows what they were transporting. Nobody else knows what was on that plane. Not the crew of the plane, not the Coast Guard ship Costco, not the B-50 Super Fortress. None of the rescue team knew. But the top brass knew what was on that plane, and they didn't know if it caused the fire either, or if the fire allowed it to escape. They only knew one thing. Whatever was in that plane was too dangerous, and knowledge of that thing was also too dangerous. So they delayed the rescue effort. Using whatever pencil-pushing explanations they could, they'll be fine. They're fully supplied. We don't have to go out there right away. The B-50 got a visual. Everyone's fine. Just wait a couple hours. It's no emergency. Everything will be fine. Because the top brass knew whatever was in that plane most likely also survived the crash of the plane. It's possible, actually, now that I think about it, the plane may have been designed to go down, and wasn't supposed to survive a crash at sea. But due to expert piloting, it did. Maybe the whole thing was some sort of bizarre false flag. But now we're going down even deeper rabbit holes. Something being transported from Roswell, New Mexico, to England. If it didn't make it to England, you could always say, Well, we tried. We tried, Prime Minister. We tried sending you over some samples. The plane went down. What are you going to do? And they're like, send us more samples. Well, we don't have any more samples. That's all we had. We can't risk it again. So there's that scenario as well. But even if there was some sort of alien life or alien technology on the plane, why would it disappear like that? What happened to everybody? How come they weren't able to find anything? Even if there was some sort of gray alien with a vengeance running around, strangling everyone, they would have found 53 strangled bodies. If it was an alien being transported alive or dead, it had been one of the crash victims of Roswell, and now it's in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, in the middle of the night, completely unguarded. Who's to say that an alien craft did not show up to pick up one of their species, and while they were there, abducted 53 humans and their craft? to steady, like we would steady their craft and their species at Roswell, New Mexico. Definitely possible. But what if this cargo wasn't an alien? What if it was alien tech? And either it caused the fire on accident or the fire was completely unrelated to the cargo. But for whatever reason, the fire broke out. The plane is ditched in the ocean and everyone is fine. But the fire they couldn't put out. And somehow, in some way, that fire interacted with that alien technology. And in the dead of night in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, this alien technology vaporized everything, organic and inorganic. If you had been there to see it, it would have boggled your mind. But if you missed it by a millisecond, you would just see a quiet ocean, waves over waves in the darkness. When a mystery has gone unsolved for 70 years, even the absurd theories start to make sense. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio.